1: Before we get started, Jeb and I had a quick favor to ask. The best way for a podcast to grow is through word of mouth. So if you have any friends, family, coworkers, or anyone you know who's looking at buying, selling, or financing a piece of real estate, we would appreciate it if you would share the show through messaging or on social media. It's the best way for us to grow and to achieve our goal of building as many educated homebuyers as possible. Again, we appreciate you watching. We appreciate you sharing. Let's get started. Hopefully you're with us last week. We went through a discussion of what does it mean to get pre-approved? We're starting a series for those of you who are looking to buy in 2023, where you need to start, what prep and what legwork you have to do, and what that actually looks like. So last week we went through the full pre-approval process. If you start first with the realtor, they're likely going to ask you if you've been pre-approved or direct you to a lender to get pre-approved. So if you want to know more about that, go back, listen to last week where we go through exactly what it means to get fully pre-approved, what you need to be prepared for, the documentation that you're going to need. This week, we're going to transition into getting with the realtor. Starting to determine what you want and need in a home and how you find homes that meet those needs. So, Jeff, why don't you start with that and tell us what it looks like once you have a client who is pre-approved and has a budget in mind, both in terms of what they want to pay and what they can pay and what it means for you to translate that into homes
0: absolutely. So I think that it's not a one size fits all answer. And the reason I say that is because it it all depends on where you started in the process. Some people start by talking to a real estate agent and depending on how that real estate agent does business, that real estate agent might've already had a conversation with regards to wants and needs and some of that stuff. Whereas like myself, if you call me first, I'm going to, I might have a little bit of that conversation, but I'm more or less going to refer you to a lender to start that pre-approval process. And the reason I do that, it's not because, hey, I don't wanna talk to you or feel like I'm wasting my time, but I want to make sure you understand what goes into that process. Make sure you're actually a candidate to buy a home because a lot of people want to buy a home. We talk all the time about willing and able buyers. There's a lot of people that are willing to own a home, but the able part is the deciding factor with some because of housing affordability and everything that goes into it so i'm going to push you back to that lender saying hey have that conversation make sure you're good with the numbers make sure you understand the process and you're good to go and once you have that then it's kind of back to me so if you started initially with a real estate agent and you've gone to the lender, then you're basically going back to that agent to start that process. And in turn, if you started with a mortgage lender, maybe you just happened to come up with a mortgage lender. Maybe you contacted me and I was able to refer you to somebody out of state and you had that conversation. Well, once you're pre-approved, now you can go back to that real estate agent and start talking about what you want. I do this a number of ways. One, if you have a spouse, you have a significant other, and it's not just you, I might ask you to fill out a home buyer questionnaire. And the reason for that is oftentimes when I'm having that initial conversation with a home buyer, I'm having it with one person. A lot of times the other person can't be on the phone or they can't meet in person for one reason or another, and they're relaying what that other person said. And the reason I say a home buyer questionnaire is because when I give these out, I often say both you and your spouse fill out one. Don't just fill it out together. Maybe the one you give me is you guys have done it together, but start initially with each person filling out a home buyer questionnaire. And the reason for that is because, believe it or not, oftentimes two buyers that are buying a home together might have different wants in a property. Their needs are probably going to be the same for the most part what I'm going to say is going to be a stereotype, but oftentimes men want garages for one reason or another. Maybe they have tools, maybe they have stuff they want to store. And so the wife maybe oftentimes isn't thinking about the garage. She's thinking about something that she wants in the house. Whereas the man is thinking about the garage. Now that could not be the case, but an experience almost 20 years of doing this, that is one of the things that comes up. So when you have two people do that, you get both people on the same page and having a conversation. Well, I saw you said here that you wanted room for the dog to run around. Well, you said we weren't getting a dog. It's getting two people on the same page about wants and needs. Now, once you have that, it's getting in front of a real estate agent like myself and having that conversation. Because what I'm going to do in that initial conversation is ask you, what's important to you in a house? And oftentimes it's well it's the bedrooms it's the bathrooms it might be the square footage those are what comes up in most people's conversations but we kind of want to go a little bit deeper on some of this stuff and find out okay you want three bedrooms you want two baths but what else is it that you want and the reason we're starting with all of these wants up front is because maybe we can get you a property that has all of this stuff in it oftentimes It's difficult, right? It's difficult to nail down all 20 things or so that you want in a home. If we can designate what's wants versus what's needs, then we can start when we're out there looking at property, having conversations about property, I'm sending you property. I know, okay, this meets the majority of what you need in a property. Some of the wants aren't there, but let's let's see if we can work through some of these things, see which ones are important and what have you. So it's really a conversation going back and forth, asking questions, really trying to figure out who you are as a buyer, what's important to you, because that helps me as a real estate agent figure out what I should be sending you with regards to property. Or when you send me a property, it helps me check that property off as a potential candidate or as something that may not work and that might sound crazy because i just said you sent me the property and now i'm canceling off the list well exactly i often have people sending me property and they're sending me something and i go in our initial conversation you said that you weren't willing to consider two bedrooms at all, you had to have three bedrooms because you have a spouse and you already have two kids. You cannot make anything less than three bedrooms work. You're sending me a two bedroom, why? Having a conversation about it. Or you said that you didn't wanna back to a street, you're sending me a house now that backs to a street. Were you aware of it? Were you not aware of it? And helping you make sense for one, so that you're not wasting your time out looking at property, I'm not out showing you property that may or may not work in that process, if that makes sense, Josh.
1: That conversation just brought up a couple of questions for me. We have people listening all around the country. Not everyone, even those in California are all going to work with you. 19 Jeff. countries too, by the way, Jeff. 19 countries too. And it probably works a little different in some of those countries. <laughs> but when I'm hearing that, every realtor is going to have some version of this conversation. And I mean everyone, because they're not just going to go, okay, cool, you would like to buy a house. Here's a list of 50 houses. They're going to have some version of, What type of house are you looking for? Where is it located? So Jeb, for you, how formal is that process? Is this a PDF you're sending to them to handwrite into? Is it an online form that you have for them? And if they're dealing with another realtor, how formal does that process need to be? I think
0: it depends on the agent. You kind of hinted at that a little bit. I actually have a PDF that I send out and I'll be honest, I don't do it on every single buyer consultation. And that might sound weird, but I might be able to get a really good feel for somebody in an initial conversation just because of how well they explain something, maybe in an email to me or maybe in a quick conversation that says, okay, I think I have what you're looking for because you might have listed a community. You might've said, hey, I wanna be here because of X. And I know in that community that there's five floor plans or whatever. So it's a much easier conversation than somebody that is really evergreen to the process and has never um, been through it or what have you. And some move up buyers, obviously a little bit easier to work with because maybe I've sold a home for them or I'm selling their house. So kind of have that conversation. So I don't do this on every single buyer consultation, but I would say 90% of the time I am doing it and i don't know that it has to be formal right i mean i have a document that was provided to me by my coaching company that is a great document i've seen better versions of it quite frankly but the one i have works it was already created is not something i needed to go in and alter again this isn't a document that has to be all encompassing of everything that that buyer is looking for it's really just to start the process to start the conversation to give me an idea of what you're looking for. And on top of that, Josh, something I like to do is have buyers, because most buyers have looked at property prior to reaching out to me. You know, most people are looking at the online websites, the realtor.com's, the Redfin's, the Zillow's. So they're looking at property, whether or not they're actively buying or or trying to buy that property is another thing. So I, I say, hey, have you seen anything that you liked that you would have considered making an offer on or that piqued your interest, you know, recently? And it, the answer is yes. You might send me an email with some of those links because that gives me a really, really good idea of what you're looking for in a home. Because you might say, Jeb, I, I want an open kitchen. I want all new grays and whites. I love hardwood flooring, some sort of laminate or what have you. Or I like h- houses with big backyard or whatever it is. And then you send me a house and maybe it doesn't have... All of that stuff because in my head i'm picturing when you say that okay kind of a model home but when then you send me something it might be oh okay that's not exactly what i was thinking but I, I get where we were going with this okay so i might go back and say hey the photo you sent me or the property you sent me didn't have this oh yeah we'd like that but it's not 100 percent necessary and that seems to be pretty typical of most buyers out there they want everything But I will say the majority of buyers out there, because of budget restrictions, rarely can get everything they want in a property. Even people with unlimited budgets oftentimes have a difficult time finding everything they want in a property. I mean, Josh, you and I have had a conversation many times about your want to to be able to build a house because you want something that essentially there's nothing out there on the market that meets everything that you want in a property. So it's going to be a little bit different for each person.
1: I was going to say the same thing. It doesn't matter how much money you have or if you're infinitely qualified. Homes are unique. If I want to go buy a new F-150, there's only so many combinations of that. So it's likely that I'm going to be able to find out what the factory makes, what are my needs, and then track that truck down or car or any other thing. Houses aren't that way. They've been built over the last 200 years, depending on where you're at. They've been customized, updated, renovated a million different ways. So It's going to be a compromise and the best way for you to communicate to your agent and to your lender, because as you were talking, I said, this is important for us. Also, we need to know a monthly payment that you're comfortable with. We're going to determine what is a maximum that you can qualify for. And then by seeing the properties or knowing areas, we know what type of home. Is there going to be an HOA? So it helps your lender to go through this process also. So what I was going to say there's a couple things here. This reminds me of two different books. Michael Gerber's The E-Myth. And that's really about McDonaldizing your business. McDonald is famous for having the scoop so that a guy doesn't have to figure out, hey, how many fries go in and order. It comes out the same every time. This is a way for you to document and know what that client wants. And sometimes it takes three, five, six, twelve 12 months to find a home. You had that conversation a year ago. It's nice to have some notes for you to refer back to and you as a buyer if your agent doesn't take it this far and it's not this formal not that they're doing anything wrong i think you should do it for yourself so i'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to commit us to sharing Jeb's PDF. So if you're working with a realtor that doesn't have it, check down in the show notes here. We'll make a link where you can download his. Not that you're going to be working with Jeb, but that you have this to help you and your partner, anyone else that's going to be making the buying decision, go through and decide what are the things that we want and what are non-negotiable, what may be negotiable. And as you go through that process, it's going to give you a much better view of what you think. So Jeb, at this point, You have a borrower that's approved for X dollars. They've told you they want a certain size of home in a certain school district in a certain city. What comes next? Hey guys, Jeb and I wanted to take a quick break from the show and thank you for listening. Our numbers continue to grow thanks to people like you tuning in every week and liking and subscribing and rating and reviewing on your podcast platform of choice. So we'd love to ask a favor. If you can go into Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening and leave us a rating or a review, we would be eternally grateful. Again, thank you for listening and back to the show. Really seeing property. There used to be a stat
0: and forgive me because a lot of things have changed over the last couple of years about the number of homes someone sees before making an offer. It's something like eight homes, or it used to be like eight homes, which seems crazy because that seems like a really low number of homes that you see before you make the purchase, you know probably one of the bigger purchases you'll ever make in your life. I feel like you need to see two to three times that, but the reality is people are always seeing homes, whether they're in their friends' homes, whether they're shopping online, whether they're dropping into a neighbor's open house. So people are often seeing more than eight properties, even though that's the number that was thrown out there. So you wanna start looking at property. I suggest going to open houses. I suggest just perusing the websites in the areas that you wanna be, the Redfins, the Zillows. People often ask me, Is it okay to use these websites? Of course, of course it's okay. I wouldn't use the agent from those websites. I mean, that's just me personally speaking, but I think it's okay to use those websites. Some of them are pretty to look at. A lot of them have the information, but in all reality, your realtor should be setting you up on some sort of search based on your conversation with an MLS feed. And the reason that's important is because all of the websites that I mentioned a moment ago syndicate from that MLS feed. So whatever's input into the MLS is then syndicated to all of these other websites. We don't have to go and fill out property on Zillow for it to show up for most people, right? It's put one place in it, it goes everywhere else. So anytime information is changed, it syndicates to those websites. Well, some of those websites update every five minutes some might update every six hours or 12 hours some might not update for a day or two sometimes there's problems with those feeds and they don't update for whatever reason and so it might be showing you a property's active when it's pending or in turn it might have fallen out of escrow and is now active again and hasn't updated so it's better to get a feed directly from a real estate agent because that's where the information is originally coming from to start with but with that said you know that agent's gonna set you up. Now, this is a conversation I often have with clients. And I say, hey, listen, we, in our conversation, we got super specific on what you want in a home. Unfortunately, when I send you property, it's not gonna be quite as specific. And you're going, why? Well, what happens is as I set up a search, I have certain things I can make to be staples, if you will, in that search. So if you say, Jeb, I want three bedrooms, two baths, 1,100 square feet minimum, that's really easy to do. Three bedrooms, two baths, 1,100 square feet minimum. A lot of that stuff comes from the tax records, and more often than not, is not incorrect. But when somebody says, hey, I want something that has quartz countertops, I want something that has an open floor plan, I want this, well, I can't get super specific in the MLS. The information's there, the ability is there for me to do that but it's only as good as the person on the other side who input that data. As a real estate agent, if I have a property that has an open floor plan, has quartz countertops, has laminate flooring like you want, but I don't put those things specifically in the boxes where they belong on the MLS, then if you select a property that only has those, then my property's not gonna populate. And what I want to do as a real estate agent is I want to give you more of an overall view of the basics in that property with maybe some specifics, but not so specific that you're not getting things that people didn't input correctly. I know that probably sounds crazy, but if you get property for me, you're going to get some things in there that don't meet what you're looking for. But I think it's easier to weed the things out that you're not looking for than it is for me to get super specific on on property and then you not get them at all and not even have an opportunity to view them because we were so specific. So we're gonna be sending you property in an email that's gonna have that. You can get it where it updates you every single time a property comes on the market, which I think is annoying, or you can get it once a day or any time a property changes, you'll get an email once a day. So it might go two or three days before you get updated on that list. But what I'm trying to get at here is you should be getting properties from a real estate agent and then as a buyer you should be if you're not familiar with these areas i would suggest driving around go look at neighborhoods, go spend a Saturday, maybe drop into an open house or whatever. Now, some buyers out there want their agent involved in every piece of the transaction. Hey, is my agent going to send me a property when it comes something that, that I liked? Are they going to send it to me specifically? In some cases, yes. But oftentimes, agents like myself, we're working with a handful of buyers. We've got listings going on. We've got, we're sending you property. If we see something that we think will work, we're going to reach out separately. But Don't wait on your agent to send you a property before making that call to your agent to ask a question about a property or send an email or send a text saying, hey, what about this? Or can I see this or what have you versus some buyers out there are just waiting for their agent to call them. And some agents may do business like that, but I will say it's tough to be the agent that's always reaching out with every single property because there's going to be times when you're busy, you're doing something, and you might miss a property that comes across. So as a buyer, you should be looking in addition to your agent to make sure, you know, you've got your basis cover when it comes to looking at property.
1: So, Jeb, as a buyer, I have a few questions. If mm-hmm. I'm listening to you talk, I want to say, okay, so before we really get set up on a search, I've given you my PDF filled out with my wants and needs and sort of prioritized them. You say we should look at some homes are you going to take me out to look at that first batch of homes or should I be going out and checking out a few open houses and driving neighborhoods by myself? Or does it matter? Maybe sometimes it's both, sometimes it's the other. Because I, I feel like a lot of people listen to us and they feel like there's only one way this can go. But the reality is there's, there's a million different ways that it plays out in the real world.
0: No, I think you nailed it. There's a million different ways it could play out. I have some buyers that are super anxious, right? So if a property comes on the market, they want to see it that day. And I read in the notes that they're doing open houses this weekend. They're not looking at any offers for a couple of days. I might say, listen, we can go see it today, but nothing's going to happen for a couple of days. Let's wait till the weekend and see it or what have you. So what I would say is it's okay to go look in open houses. I would suggest driving communities that you're unfamiliar with versus letting it be the very first time you see it is with that agent, especially if you're not familiar with it. Because You could get there. I can't tell you how many times I've showed up to show a house that I didn't think was going to work for a client just based on our initial conversation. And we got there and they didn't even want to go in and see it because the neighborhood wasn't something they wanted to see. But even then, I encourage, hey, listen, we're here. We're going in to check this thing out, whether you like it or not. It might be a good story later on. I think it's important to know the area that you're in. But I also have clients that say, hey, listen, I want to be in this community, like my community. I want to be there and they can tell me what they want. And I already know, hey, listen, this property is something they wanna see. I'm gonna make sure I'm there. If I'm not able to be there because I have prior appointments, I'm gonna make sure buyer's agent is there to, to make sure uh, that they, they're able to see it. Because the, the important thing is to make sure you're able to see it. Now, if it's by appointment only, then we're gonna make time to get you into the property. But I don't think there's a right or wrong way, in my opinion. Some agents wanna be there every single time somebody wants to see a property. They don't want their client going to open houses. I think that's crazy. I think the more homes a buyer sees, the more they're going to know what they want. If they only see one property with you here and there, yeah, they're going to get an idea of what they want. But if they go see four or five open houses in a weekend and doing this with me or with a showing agent or whatever on the same time, they're going to get a really good idea really quickly of the areas they like, the areas they don't like, locations where they want to be, some things they may consider versus where they initially thought they were going to be in the process. So recap, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but I think it's important to see homes and looking online is okay too. I think looking online isn't as good as seeing it in person, but I think the more homes you see visually, you'll get a better idea of what you're looking for. Now, the caveat to that is a lot of times photos have been not altered, but they're set up in a way to make things appear differently. Yeah. Improved. And oftentimes as a real estate agent has been doing this almost 20 years, I can tell from photos when things aren't what they're supposed to be, right? There's filters on the photo that, you know, this property needs a lot of remodeling when in fact it doesn't look like it in the photos, things like that. But now with virtual tours and being able to do these three walkthroughs, you can get a really good idea of properties before you're going out and see it. And, and this will help you save time as a buyer, instead of maybe seeing Five or 10 on a Saturday, you've already gone through and said, I can eliminate these five because of X. It's not something I want to see. So I think it's having a professional agent on your side, able to answer questions, willing to walk you through, knows the areas, knows the properties, but also you as a buyer, spending a little bit of time on your own doing some of these things and not expecting your agent to, I don't want to say hold your hand because we should be holding your hand, but not expecting your agent to necessarily have to be there for you to see a home, I think is the right way to put it.
1: Yep, another question, similar question, probably a similar answer. Do you set your clients up on the online search and start delivering properties to them before you guys go out and look at properties? Or do you have a little of experience of showing them a few homes before you set them up on that search so you can kind of tailor it a little closer to their needs? No, I set it up b- before going out for that search because a lot of times they're
0: calling me right after they've gotten pre-approved and they're excited, they're anxious, they're ready to, to start looking at homes. And Most of the time, well, over the last couple of years, I will say there hasn't been a lot of property to choose from. Inventory has been pretty low. And so it might take you know a couple of weeks for something really populates in some of these areas that people want to be before there is really anything to see. Now, we're coming into a, a time where we're starting to see a little bit more property. We're starting to see open houses again things are starting to get back to quote unquote normal um, in real estate. So no, I wanna send a new property. I wanna start looking at it. Now we might adjust it after seeing property or sometimes we adjust it before y- you see anything or maybe after you see something because something changed, right? I mean, you might say, hey Jeb, I'm only considering this city to start with because I like to start with what's the perfect you know, property for you? Okay, well it's being in this area with this many bedrooms, this many baths, this square footage, this price range, whatever. And after looking at what falls into that criteria, it might be one property, might be two properties, might be none. You might go, I'm not looking at anything. There's nothing here to even look at. So we might say, okay, are you willing to expand your search? Are you willing now to add additional cities or additional school districts or whatever it is based on our initial conversation? So I think that that search is always evolving a little bit just based on where you are in the
1: process as a buyer. Got it. Now, Jeb, in many parts of the country, not so much for us here in Orange and LA counties, but Inland Empire, you get to other markets. New construction is a big element of the market. How does that change if you have a buyer or a realtor has a buyer who's considering buying new construction homes? New construction is weird
0: in the sense of how they work with agents in good times. I mean, good times for new construction, the last two years during the pandemic, they like to cut us as buyer's agents out in a sense and make it very difficult for potential buyers to work with outside agents. Times like now, they're more willing than ever to to have us come in and represent buyers. But the way new construction works, and and I'll start by saying this, and this is beneficial to me as an agent, not so much to me here locally, because we don't have a lot of new construction, but... As a blanket statement for agents, it's important to have an agent that's outside of the sales office. In my opinion, the sales office is there to sell homes and they're representing the builder. Right. In in often cases. And so you want an agent that is there for you that is separate from the builder because you still want to make sure that the eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed when it comes to taking ownership of that property and them handing over the keys you want to make sure things are done right now there's very little we can do as agents about the contracts and that sort of thing when it comes to builders but i can tell you i've had clients ready to take ownership of properties or do a final walkthrough on properties and there was a ton of things incorrect in the property that most buyers probably wouldn't have noticed because they're buyers they're ready to close they're happy they're ready to get the keys and move on whereas They give us a a roll of blue tape and we just go crazy and work tape and everything and we're still going to recommend things like home inspections and that sort of thing so it's important to have an agent when you're buying new construction now going into initially look at new construction i think it's important if you are a buyer and you're potentially thinking about new construction have that conversation initially with your agent because oftentimes your agent needs to be there with you when you first view that community Otherwise, the community's not going to allow you to work with that agent. And it sounds crazy. And we could probably do an episode entirely on how this process works. Should but do
1: an episode <laughs> entirely on that new construction process.
0: It's one of those things that, and the reason I say this is because oftentimes I'll be talking to clients and they're telling me about what they want. New construction never comes up in the conversation. And then one weekend they happen to go look at new construction in a community and they come back and say, hey, Jeff, we found the property we want. It's this property, it's in this community, new construction. And I'm like, mm. At that point, I can't help you as a client. They won't work with me many times after the fact. So just make sure if you're considering new construction, that is part of your initial conversation with your agent so that your agent's informed and can provide you and be there with you and
1: guide you if you're considering taking that step. Perfect. So in the last two episodes, we've covered for those of you who are getting ready in the new year to buy a home, we've covered where you start, which is getting pre-approved, getting your financial numbers in line of knowing what you are willing and able to buy. And now we've talked about how we start translating that into what is in the market and what you have to choose from. Next week, we're gonna jump into the conversation and Jeb's gonna walk us through everything that happens once you find the home and you wanna write an offer, put it under contract and managing that escrow process. So make sure you join us next week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Adios. Thanks for listening to The
0: Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.